and I'm a survivor of Tommy Lynn Sells. I was 19 years old. I walked over that bridge, that main bridge, and I saw a man holding a sign that said, Hungry will work for food. He showed me a picture of three small children, and he said, we're, we're very hungry. She brought him home. She filled up mm. a bag of food and another of clothing. While I was doing that, he had come in the house and gotten a knife from the kitchen. He took me to the bathroom and he closed the door. He had pushed me up against where the toilet was and I saw on the back of the toilet was a ceramic duck. When he attacked her, she looked for her chance and attacked back. Grabbed a ceramic duck and smashed it into his head. I'm thinking in the movies, if you get hit over the head with something, they pass out. And he was still standing. She managed to get control of the knife. And she stabbed him and stabbed him and stabbed him. And then I felt something come crashing down over my head. And that's the last thing I remember until I came to when the police and the ambulance was out front. I remember the detective asking me, who did this to you? He told me that his name was Tommy Lynn Sells. Okay. You know, number one, I know people are victims, but don't bring any stranger to your house. Mm-hmm. Give right. them money for food. Don't build them to your house. I mean, it's kind. She has a kind heart. Right. Okay. And why would you, as a serial killer, give your name? <laughs> I mean, what the heck? You might as well hand a business card yeah. over that says your name, yeah. serial killer. Here's my license. Okay. <laughs> my oh, my. Yeah, right. All right. So, time for introductions. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we've got best friend Susan mm-hmm. with us yes. again. And mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, mom. Oh. Mm-hmm. Final saying Every of episode. the season. Three years. Final one. All right, let's see. Which one do I want? Okay. Mom knows that Mississippi is spelled with four S's, four I's, and two P's, and an L. You know, best friend, what's with the laughter? I mean, I don't think that's a definition of best friend. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I got nothing. I got nothing right now. Oh, goodness. Anyway, I'm Sherry. This is Outline of a Murder. And uh, I feel like this season, because we're on the very last episode. Uh, Makes me sad, too. Has been really good as far as filled with helpful things. I think probably the most of all of our seasons is we've really honed in on safety and red flags, probably more than any other season. Yeah, it's filled with more twists, too, oh, this yeah. season. Yeah. And this is all Sherry. She does all the research. I just sit here. And then we had um, two that we did, thanks to Peggy. Once again, shout yeah. out to thank her. You, and thank you, Thank you for suggesting the Tracy McBride and the Orsi family murders. If anybody has suggestions, feel free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for seasons, they need to fit within the confines of us being able to break down or outline the murder in a way to provide helpful tips. But in our mini-series, it's... 
yeah. open game. Which is in March, right? Yeah, I usually drop them in March. March. Mm-hmm. But we have our final drink. Now, yep. we didn't have one for the last episode because our bartender so is not able to join us. Can we have two then? Two glasses? It's sure. Since we skipped the other. I mean, it's you know, in the morning. But if, but, if you would I like mean, two glasses. So only, this is, it's noon somewhere. No, well. What yeah. is this called? I The bottle is turned the wrong way. Tropical mist? Tropical mist raspberry. Okay. It's Something. supposed to be like Stella. Rosa. Uh, Rosa. Moscato. Yeah, it's a Moscato. It's yeah, a Moscato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I am, you know, I'm reluctant to say you, anything can beat that, but we're going to try. Yeah. Okay, so All we right, got to go. rate it between one and five. All right. All right. Ooh, Ooh. This is a ten. <laughs> this is a ten. Did you say one and five? One yes. Five. This is like oh. a ten. <laughs> you can't go wrong with Man, raspberry. That's good. It's not and that's spark- raspberry. Yes. It's not sparkling like Stella Rosa, but that's. I'm gonna have to give it a five. Yeah, me too. I, I gave it a, a ten. <laughs> It's only one to five, best friend. One to five. I know, but <laughs> okay. Ooh, that's so good. this is, and we'll go into deeper into the crime with the lady that we heard at the beginning of this episode. But this is what sparked. Um, that was her back when she was first attacked, and uh, but this is what sparked Look how me young investigating she was. this poop bird. Because again, he didn't fascinate me. And, I mean, I hate talking in those terms because if you're a true crimer, you understand what I'm talking about. This is part two. I know that author. She writes a lot of good Diane books. Diane Fanning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. She writes and, good uh, books. She was a, a true crime writer, like we mm-hmm. talked about in episode two or episode one. And she was finishing <gasps> a book. Oh, this is the writer that yeah from part one you yeah. were talking about yeah. so oh. this is the writer diane fanning i highly recommend her material do you recognize her i do yeah yeah, yeah. she's been, on, she's a lot been of shows. on a lot of shows she writes mm-hmm. books yeah yeah and she's neat she's like yeah. a i don't know she seems like a maybe for murder she wrote she's like a second and rule mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and she was on the 2020 that aired julie ray's story mm. And so that's, again, what caught my attention is when, through her work and Julie Ray, that story that Tommy Lynn Sells came in, because I had he wasn't even on my list, you know, because he's disgusting. Because you didn't like him. No. You had no desire to do he's his case. He's just a case. slasher. But there's a lot of twists, you there's said. There's a lot of twists. Mm-hmm. Fanning heard the prosecutor's claim against Julie Ray that an intruder would not break into a house just to kill and then not have a weapon. Right. But Fanning knew that... Her serial killer did just that on more than one occasion. So when she saw that episode on Julie Ray and how the prosecutor's like, yeah, no one would do that. She's like, wait a minute. You know, I actually know a killer that does do that. So she wrote the serial killer, Tommy Lynn Sells, about the interview that she saw on 2020. And she did not tell him the prosecutor's name, the name of the case or victim, the town or the date, nothing. She just told him about the prosecutor's comments. That's what I was wondering, but you already said why she connected with him. Yeah. Was because of the 2020, so not writing, that she was writing no, a book about him. No, she was writing him. a book about him. Oh. And then in her spare time, like we do, she right. was watching a true crime show, and it was a 2020 on Julie Ray's second trial. 
What do you, what, man. And then when she's listening to that, she then is like, oh, no, I got one that would do that. And so she wrote to him about the prosecutor's comments because she didn't want to give any details of the crime because obviously she's a smart lady and she's going to think, okay, I can't give them details because if this ever goes to trial, it can't she be can't said that him. I fed yeah. him what occurred. Isn't that crazy, though, the coincidence? Yeah. That- I don't believe in coincidences. Yeah, that was God. I believe that, was God. that yeah. you know, I I really don't, you know, these people that killed other people, they were born in that time to do this. Right. You know, like yeah, if you're in a, you. yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, that it all was together. And the fact the, that she was th- so smart that she's like. Connected it. This could be him. Too bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Too so bad. what happened Hindsight, too bad, but. is, now, again, I'm not sure if the second trial had started or not, but that's why Julie Ray was on 2020 is because of the trial that was upcoming. And to her shock, so she writes to Tommy Lynn Sells, and he says, about that woman who claimed someone broke into her house, was that like maybe on the 13th? Wow. Fanning was shocked. She started shaking, and she said, I felt I had justice in my hands, and I had to do something. So she got in touch with a Texas Ranger who knew her killer well, and the Ranger believed that Fanning's killer, Tommy Lynn Sells, could have killed Joel. Little 10-year-old boy. Yeah. So Mm. police interviewed the killer in 2003, and Tommy Lynn Sells gave a detailed confession to killing a boy and a woman who fought with him in the house out into the backyard where he finally dazed her, and then he walked into the woods in the back of her house. Yeah, but wait a minute. Wasn't the mother accused? Her trial was in 2000. She was already in prison. So she yes. was in prison for three years. So she's got an upcoming trial uh, beginning oh. in 2003 because of the technical yeah. error. And then it started in February of 2004. So in 2003 is when Julie Ray was interviewed uh, and was on 2020. And the prosecutor said there's no way. She's so that's in- what helped her. And then she saw that. Uh-huh. And then she contacted uh-huh. a Texas uh-huh. Ranger. Yeah. In time for the trial. In time for the trial. Awesome. And then also, um, you know, because she's still in prison waiting to get out. Yes. Right? So she'd been there for two years, and her defense team got a hold of that. You know, they contacted her defense team, and they got a hold of his confession, and they used it as evidence. And sometimes, though, when they have confessions like that, sometimes there has been cases the police don't believe it. Well, they didn't. And the prosecutor tried to say that his confession confession was a fabrication. Uh, but with that, the great refuting of the bloodstained evidence that uh-huh. they did in Julie's testimony, like we said in the last episode, she was found not guilty and then exonerated in 2010. Unfortunately, Poop Bird Cells was not um, officially charged with Joel's murder. But ever? Ever. But he knew the details of it. They did not tell him anything about a woman fighting him, uh, him breaking, you know, out into the backyard and her chasing him or him going into the woods. So he knew details about the crime that only the killer would know. And that's where I get aggravated with um, prosecutors because it's like, okay, guys, you know, pride. Come on. Pride doesn't want him to. She's got these wounds. She, um, you know, has said she fought an intruder. She has evidence to prove she did. She's got transfer blood, not, you know, 
Splatter. Splatter. Mm-hmm. And this guy is, you know, giving details that only he would. I mean, he remembers the dates of his kills. And some don't give details, but sometimes their pride and ego, they like to brag. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if he, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he liked to brag, but it's just really sad that even with all of that, they still thought that she was guilty and they would never, because they're not going to go after him for Joel's no. murder if they think that she's the one that mm-hmm. did it. Mm-hmm. And they'd have to admit, well, we had crappy police work. Mm-hmm. We had crappy yep. um, prosecution, yep. forensics, yep. the whole thing. Liars on the yeah. stand. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to admit that. But that opened up a whole can of worms on this Tommy Lynn Sells. Okay, so he was born June 28, 1964 in Oakland, California. And he was a twin. But when he and his sister, Tammy Jean, were about 18 months old, they got meningitis. Tammy died, but Tommy lived, unfortunately. So after her death, Tommy went to live with his aunt in Holcomb, Missouri. He lived there for three years, and she actually wanted to adopt him. She loved him, and he was happy there. He had a great childhood there. But his poop bird mother got mad and demanded Tommy back. Jealous. Yeah, so when, when her sister wanted to adopt him, that made her mad, and she snatched him out of the home. Wow. He was five at the time. And uh, his life changed for the worse from that time on. I wonder if he uh, stayed with the aunt, if his life would have been different. I don't think it would have. Do you? I do. I think he would have still killed. I don't know. You don't? Yeah, it's hard to tell. No, I I think he might have had a great life. Uh, Now, is he possibly, uh, you know, a psychopath with low empathy? Probably, but like we said, there's functioning psychopaths that do fine. So uh, I think if he would have had a a good environment, his chances at least would have been a lot better. Would have been a lot better, yeah. So he was ripped away really from the only woman that he ever felt truly loved by. And they moved him across country to California. Now, by by the time he was eight, his mother was openly giving her son away to be sexually molested by a Willis Clark, a registered sex offender. Uh, and they've been able to corroborate some of this because you got to take what killers say with a, a grain of salt. At you know eight? I mean? At eight years old. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. What a mother. And uh, I thought I had some other Picture of pictures her mother. Of, no, of oh. him. Uh, he had so many victims. It's it's unbelievable. Oh, he did? Mm-hmm. Uh, these are some of the pictures of all of them. That was a sketch. And look, I mean, it looks pretty similar. Oh, that's real that's close. Too. Which one is him? All of them. Oh, yeah, there are three different ones on the bottom. And I think he was interviewed for uh, Signs of a Psychopath or Mind of a Murderer, if I'm not mistaken. You could tell he wasn't sorry. He wasn't no, look sorry at him what he smiling, did. Smiling, laughing, cocky. Uh, now, the details get a little bit sketchy here, but some say he was 13, others say that he was older. But at some point, Sells tried to rape his mother. Oh. And she fought him off, packed up her things, and left without telling him. So she thought that was wrong and inappropriate, but giving her kid away. Giving her kid away to be molested is okay. He stayed until uh, the bills piled up, and then he hit the streets wandering coast to coast until he was caught. He couldn't go back to the aunt, I guess. Oh, probably not. Some estimates have him around 15 when he committed his first murder. Wow. It's said that he relived his abuse over and over when he killed, and that he raped women out of rage for his mother. I can see that. And I don't know if that's true or if it's a cop-out, but we do know he was abused and his mother was a piece of crap. He liked to hitchhike and train hop. 
across the country. He labeled himself the coast-to-coast killer. He was arrested in 1990 in Wyoming for stealing a pickup truck. He served 16 months in prison and was evaluated by doctors. He was diagnosed with a long list, personality disorder with antisocial, borderline, and schizoid features, bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, psychosis, and substance abuse disorder. What's depressive disorder? That he would go into really bad, bad depressive states. Oh. Yeah. Uh, He liked really anything, opioids, pot, amphetamines, alcohol. His first kill was in 1978. So by the time of his arrest, he had several under his belt. But... you know a total? I, I've i got all the, the victims <clears throat> listed at the end. So oh, okay. There's a couple they're not sure about, um, but it looks like maybe him. Uh, there was one att- attempted murder and rape that actually changed his victimology. So before this one incident, he would kill adults, you know, women, men. It didn't matter. But after... Uh, Fabian Witherspoon, which is the one that we saw uh, on the the video at the beginning of our episode, um, this girl right here, after she fought back so hard, he changed his victimology and he uh, only attacked kids. So after her, that's his first, right? No, no, which no one? this is 1992. Oh, so 1992. He's killed several people. So after that, because she fought back mm-hmm. and. So oh, this was in so May. So he picked on innocent children after that. Yeah. So this is May of 1992. What She's an 19 ass. years old. She was from Charleston, West Virginia. Her no- uh, name is Fabian Witherspoon, and she was walking to a friend's apartment when she saw a man asking for money under an overpass. He uh, held a sign that said, "We'll work for food," and then, like she said in the video, he showed her a picture of his wife and child. Now, guys. Don't believe what people no. say. You know, he did that to get her trust. Sympathy. And yeah. she bought it. And she felt sorry for the man. So she proceeded to her friend's apartment to get him some food. And she didn't invite him in, but it sounded like she invited him to come with her to the apartment. So this is mm-hmm. 1992. Maybe people didn't realize back then that, that was a bad idea even then. It could be. But never invite anyone that you don't know, but especially someone that's homeless. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying anything against homeless people, but it is a fact that a lot of people that are homeless either have mental uh, health Mm -hmm. issues Mm -hmm. or they are criminals on the run. Right. And so he was definitely one of those. And uh, so anyway, he ended up in the apartment while she was gathering, you know, food for him. And uh, so and, and don't even invite a female to go with no, you either. No, You know, like, no. it doesn't matter their gender. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if they show you pictures of their family. None of that matters. Do not uh, go in. And at the very least, lock the door. And he didn't have a family. You know? Yeah. Keep them outside and lock the door. But at this point, you've taken them to a residence. So he can wait for you. He can Come stalk back. you. You yep. know what I mean? It just, it's all around bad. And I'm not blaming her for being attacked, but because she seems she's like a really naive, nice person. just naive, young. So as she's getting the food and clothes, the panhandler, Tommy Lynn Sells, entered the apartment, grabbed a knife from the kitchen. Sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also locked the door when he came in, and he came up behind her as she was gathering items. He told her that if she did what he said, he wouldn't hurt her. 
which is another, another. tactic. Yeah, that's a lie anyway. Yeah, BTK did that. Yeah. And uh, uh, Holes, Paul Holes, that helped uh, catch the Golden State Killer. Um, he said that, that was an amazing catch. Yeah. <laughs> he said that, um, I read his book, by the way. It was really good. Uh, On your tablet? I don't remember what it was called, but uh, Paul Holes' book. It was really, really good. Um, They're not coming in just to be friendly he said and get that. things. He said they only tell you that to disarm you yeah. and make you think, Relax. well, if I do what they say, they won't kill me. They'll always kill you, uh, typically. So he said, he basically said, I'm going to rape you. So at first she thought she would go along with it just to get through it, but then she decided she was going to fight back. So at some point, like she said, they ended up in the bathroom. He was pushing her up against the toilet. She saw the ceramic duck on the back of the toilet, and she's like, well, when you hit people over the head, they pass out like in the movies. So she starts hitting him over the head with it, which it must be like a, solid yeah, piece of duck it would have right? broke i would think and he didn't pass out um but she was able to grab the knife and get away from uh cells and she also stabbed him repeatedly now at some point during the struggle they ended, ended up i believe in a bedroom and cells grabbed a piano stool and slammed it on witherspoon with such force that she instantly passed out oh wow so i think he probably thought she was dead so his wounds weren't bad enough to make him. Mm-mm. But if he bled, had DNA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the database, yep. So she awakened to the police in an ambulance. She had been stabbed 18 times. She had been raped repeatedly. And she was lucky to be alive. Wow. So I'm thinking, actually, she did hurt him pretty bad. He had to go to the hospital for his injuries, and he ended up in ICU. What? And police custody. Witherspoon also had to have surgery, but she survived a serial killer, but at the time she didn't know that he was one. Now, this is going to make y'all mad. So, Sells was charged with five counts of rape, which I'm thinking when he brought down... Okay, so when did he rape her? Because... She was knocked out. Did he rape her by the time they got to the bathroom? Because it doesn't sound like he raped her until... Well, he hit her with the yeah, stool, maybe. That's what I take because when they went to the bathroom, she was hitting him, stabbing him, and then he knocked her out, and then she said he, he raped her. But and he raped her repeatedly. But the fact that he was so hurt that he was an ICU—that's what I thought too. Man, either Adre- he adrenaline, adrenaline he, yeah. I don't. That's crazy to me. But either way, uh, he was charged with five counts of rape and felony assault. However. The prosecutor offered him a plea deal, uh, and he was sentenced to two to ten years in prison. Is this a little town? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if Charleston, West Virginia is little. Uh, the rape charges... Two years to... That's just sick. The rape charges were dropped. <sighs> Why? Some, some accounts say that he said that Witherspoon was an upset romantic interest who attacked him first. And they believed that, again, mm-hmm. crappy police work. Yep. Right. So he served five years so in prison. So people like to be raped five times. or however, Yeah. It's, however. Yeah. And then he left married to a Nora Price. And I, I might have her picture. Oh, he did marry, huh? Yeah. Let's see. Before or after? Was that family well, picture she showed? He left prison married. Oh, okay. Okay, so that's, okay. that's Nora Price right there. Wow. 
Now, Witherspoon is believed to be one of only two known survivors. She said that she felt that if anything like that ever happened to her, she would probably just faint and die. She read that after Sell's attack on her, he never wanted to be in that situation again, so he killed smaller people or children after that. She carried that guilt plus survivor's guilt after her attack. She knows it's not reasonable, but she can't help it. Mm-hmm. Just four months after he was released from prison, Sells killed 10-year-old Joel. And they let him out mm-hmm. two to whatever years. Wow. Yep. You know, people sometimes think just because your wounds heal, life goes on, but it doesn't. It affects them the rest of their lives. Right. A door opens, someone comes in without knocking that you know. So many different things. Yeah. That's just horrible. Yeah. And I can see how she would feel bad. So, Oh, yeah. <clears throat> just so everybody understands, Witherspoon's attack changed this serial killer's victimology. So now he's going to go after kids. So I can't imagine the guilt that she felt about that, and little Joel was the first one. I wonder where he saw Joel. I wonder that, too. Because wasn't she sort of out in the, I mean, it wasn't a big neighborhood, was it? Well, it wasn't a big town, so he might have seen him running errands. So he stalked them, basically, and just see. I think he probably had seen them, and he followed them home to figure out um, where they were. Plus, she was tiny, so he might have wanted to kill her too but when joel screamed and then she started fighting him he just wanted to get away Mm -hmm. because he'd already gotten wounded from witherspoon Mm -hmm. you know so Mm -hmm. he probably didn't want to have any of that now pam searles i think that's her last name and her two daughters were in transition after having moved from kansas to del rio texas her daughters had asked to stay at a friend's house kayleen katie uh, harris this is her Mm-hmm. On New Year's Eve, 1999. Now, Pam was nervous about it. She didn't know the family well, and they were in a new state, a new town, and she wasn't familiar, you know, with the house, but she wanted her daughters to enjoy some fun, some friend time, you know, mm-hmm. with the move. Mm-hmm. So she decided to let her daughter Crystal, age 10, and her little sister, Marquis, age 7, stay the night with 13-year-old Katie. And uh, let me see if I can find some pictures of Crystal. There she is. So that's Crystal, and then that's, I believe, Marquis right there. Her two daughters. Uh, not Crystal's two daughters, Pam Searles. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. the, the um, one that's Pam. close to the 13-year-old, and then uh-huh. that's the other little girl. Okay. And uh, so, you know, I, and I, she was 13, she was 7, and uh, the next morning she received a phone call around 6 a.m. telling her that her daughter was in the ER and fighting to survive. So she raced Uh. to the hospital in an absolute nightmare. Okay. Uh, Now, I thought I had some pictures of the crime scene. And if I don't, I'm upset with myself. Here we go. Okay. So this is the, the house uh where the crime occurred where crystal was at and then this right here is the bedroom there were there were bunk beds so texas ranger johnny allen had already received a phone call about 30 minutes before pam that there had been a violent attack at the harris house he had no idea what had happened but he knew kids were involved johnny arrived at the scene to a brutal horrific crime scene katie was found dead on the floor she had been stabbed and her throat was slit. Marquis was untouched, the little seven-year-old, 
and Crystal's throat had been slit. Later, Crystal gave details, but this is a bedroom where Crystal and Katie were at. Crystal was up in the top bunk, and Katie was like over in this area uh, where she was attacked. And I'll go into more details. And Crystal survived? She survived. Uh. This is a knife that they found that cells used. That looks bent. It was. Yeah, it was bent. And then if you look closely at this picture, you can see the scar going across her neck. Oh, yeah. I see it. Okay, so this is one lucky little girl. Yep. So she said that she was sleeping on the top bunk after she and Katie had stayed up late talking, playing, and laughing. Crystal woke up in the middle of the night to someone screaming below her. She leaned over the bunk bed and looked around, and there was a man in their bedroom. He had long, curly, scruffy-looking hair and a bushy beard. Crystal was scared, and she didn't want to make any noise, and she didn't want the man to know that she was in the room. Now, what happened, though, is we know he saw her um, because she said that Crystal like looked at her like, don't say anything as he's attacking her. He's like, she's staring at Crystal, like, be quiet mm. with her eyes. Like she said, it looked like her eyes were saying, don't say a word. So even though this 13-year-old is being killed, she's communicating to her friend to be quiet and not say anything. Ugh. Now, um, Crystal saw the man slit her friend's throat and try to molest her as well. The man then got up and slowly walked to the door, and it looked like he was about to turn off the light. So he had turned on the light in this house and attacked Katie. That's pretty bravey or ballsy. Yeah. Considering there was adults in there. So he he goes to turn off the light and then he turns back and he sees her and he walks toward Crystal. She tried to stay out of reach, so she you know, she's on the top bunk bed and she um, got off like as far to the the wall as she could away from him but you can see there's like a little bit of space over here but he came over to this side and so she's backed up into the corner they didn't scream but he literally reached over and just slid her throat as an afterthought and then she played dead and he left wow so she said it seemed like forever but she got up and checked on katie and crystal knew that she was dying and she also had, you know, pain in her throat area and her throat felt wet. But she made her way to her friend who was bleeding and choking, making gasping noises. And she didn't know what to do and she couldn't talk. Uh, she later learned that her vocal cords had been cut. She tried to comfort her friend by rubbing her back. And she was crying as she was doing that until the sound stopped. She knew she'd be dead too if she didn't get help we- uh, quickly. So she left the house in her pajamas and barefoot, and she crawled to a neighbor's house and started banging on the door. A voice inside asked who was there, but she couldn't talk, so she kept banging, and the uh, homeowner opened the door and saw the little girl with her throat slit. Her trachea was poking out. Now, where was the parents? Well, I'll, I'll get to that. Okay. So because she couldn't talk, she wrote a note. Um, uh, we need, uh, help, something like that. My neck. Oh, my neck needs. Needs. Help. And then she wrote, will I live? Oh. And then she put this guy, Kansas. Um, so yeah, she couldn't talk. So she wrote those notes. The Harris's 
um, uh, something hard or hand, this guy Kansas hurt, hurt them or something. The Harrises wow. hurt. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the Harrises are hurt. Tell them to hurry. She wrote, my neck needs help. Will I live? The homeowner called 911. They got Crystal to the hospital. She survived, and she awoke from surgery to her mother telling her that she was there. And the first thing, thing she asked when she was able to speak was if uh, Katie was okay. All right, so this is her in the hospital with her mom. Mm. And then she worked with forensic artists to create a sketch of the killer. Using that and great detective work, which I showed you all that, that sketch. Yeah, that's so a pretty good sketch. She did a really good job. Yeah, very good. She's a, a very smart, intelligent <clears throat> little girl. Um, there it is. So that's mm -hmm. the sketch that she had them draw. Uh, they kind of, you know, realized the cops, hey, this might be cells. And uh, so they put his photo in a lineup, and she picked him out immediately and knew that was him. So they tracked him down at his home. They arrested him, and he did not resist. And some say that he said, I'm glad I finally got caught. I was tired of doing this, but I'm not sure if he said that, but that's what some say he did. And then he confessed to this murder and others. Wow. So police were able to verify 22 of those, but they believe he might have killed between 50 and 70. So they verified 22 murders. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. he's but he could have done more. Since he was 15 70s, in the yeah. 70s. Uh, now, here's how he, he picked his victims. Sells said that he had left a bar and he spotted the trailer home at around 3.50 a.m. He broke into the home. And then he went through each room until he found Katie's. And the only reason Marquis wasn't killed is because she and Crystal had gotten into a fight that night. And Crystal said that she had to sleep in the other room. Oh. You know, a little sister spat, you know. Yeah. And uh, her and Katie would sleep in the bunk beds. <clears throat> so it's kind of one of those, you're the little sister, so you go over mm -hmm. there. Uh, he saw Katie and he wanted her. Wow. So and he turned the light on. And he turned the light That's on. That's so risky. So he snuck into her bed, cut off her underwear, and started molesting her. Katie fought back, and that's when uh, Crystal heard the screams and scuffle. She saw a shadowy figure attacking her friend. Sells stabbed Katie 16 times and then slit her throat. That's when he noticed Crystal. She said, I'll be quiet. I promise I won't say anything. He headed towards her, so Crystal held her hands around her neck, and he slit her throat. But because her hands were there, it actually protected her from suffocating and dying. Uh, so she played dead. And then Crystal also checked on her sister Marquis before she went to get help. I mean, that's amazing. Wow. The presence of mind that mm -hmm. she had. So and she, she crawled comforts her daughter or her friend Sis, yeah. while she died. She goes and checks on her sister. And then she crawled. 
Um, she said that she was in a deep sleep and she couldn't wake her up. She thought that the rest of the family and her sister were dead, um, so she went to get help. Later, Crystal testified that when Katie was struggling with cells and his hand was over her mouth, that Katie signaled to Crystal with her eyes to stay still and don't move. Cells was convicted and sentenced to death. He was executed by lethal injection April 3, 2014. Good. He refused final remarks before his death. He was injected, closed his eyes, started to snore, and then 13 minutes he was dead at 6.27 p.m. Oh, good. Now, years later, Crystal had to deal with another disturbed man, Alvin Willie George. Oh, my. So she, she survives, and then a man started stalking her when he saw her on TV. Oh, my gosh. Let me see if I can find. That's her a few years ago when she did the interview. Um, but he saw her on the interview and found her and this is he started stalking her alfred alvin george so he saw her pictures on the internet he began sending crime scene images to crystal as well as harassing photos and intimidating messages using facebook accounts he also sent them to her sister and he threatened to kill and rape them how old was she then an adult i don't know for sure um but he was caught and sentenced to over four years in prison in 2021. That's not enough. Four years isn't mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. So that she's already a, a grown woman. Because when point. he gets out. I mean. And uh, he also got three years of uh, supervised, um, you know, after he gets out. But let me see if there's other pictures of her today. Um, that was her testifying at trial, and she did so good. She what a was brave so little brave. girl. Um. Let's see. I thought there were more. Yeah, that's her. Oh, and that's her with her dad. Oh. Yeah. So, anyway, she survived. She's doing good. But here's how he found Katie, and this is what I think he did with Joel as well. So, it might see like, and in the way he said it, he just spotted the, you know, house and he went in. That's not what happened. Sales had moved to Del Rio in 1998, and he was a carnival worker, and he stayed on after the carnival left town. At that time, he had met a Jessica Levery, 28, and he moved into her home in San Felipe. Heavy rainfall flooded the town, and the creek burst its banks and swept away houses, including uh, Levery's. They later moved to some government land, and Sells and Levery got married. I'm not sure where Nora went, you know, his other wife. Uh, Later, Sells started attending Grace Community Church, the same church Katie's parents attended. Oh, no. Her parents remember the first time they met and how Sales befriended them. He told them about his marital and job problems. He was already known as Trouble in Del Rio because he was suspected of sexual assault but was acquitted because the victim went and pressed charges. So the cops, they recognized that sketch. That's why they immediately went after Sales. Oh, yeah. Because they knew about him. After he was apprehended, the police took him to the Harris home, and he happily walked through and even climbed into the room using the window he used that night of the attack. He later said that he wanted to kill six people that night and rape Katie's mom, too. He said that he uh, he never says sorry, and he never used the word love because he was hateful. Oh. He said, when you look at me, you look at hate. He also said he was addicted to killing. He said that killing was a rush for him like drugs, and he had a chase at high. 
He also said, I like to watch the eyes fade, the pupil fade. It's like setting children's souls free. Wow. Now, um, he, he would do that. So this is something I want to say that is kind of a tip because there are some things that could have been prevented. And I don't know if I've got this in the notes. Nope. So the brother of Katie, if I'm not mistaken, he was blind. So when Sales got into the house, he actually entered the room of the brother. And he was sneaking through. And at the time, um, Mrs. Harris's husband and I think Pam's boyfriend or friend, they were over in Kansas getting the rest of her stuff. So there were no men in the house except for the little boy. Uh, So the brother was blind. And when Sells was in the house prowling to see who he wanted to kill, uh, the brother got up and was Mm -hmm. fumbling his way around, I think, to the restroom. And Sells just stood there and realized he was blind. And so he let the, the boy do what he needed to do. And then he went back to bed. Oh, man. And later, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know why I don't have this in my notes, the the brother said, I heard something. That's what woke me, and I wish I would have done something. So the mother was in her room, and little Marquis was in, you know, another room. And so they were not touched at all. Um, So I don't know why he didn't kill the rest, but he did. He would befriend people. And, um, you know, he started confiding in them and gained their trust. And I think they had invited him to the house several times. And Mrs. Harris did not like him. Um, He would, like, leer and stare at her and Katie. And she just got the creeps from him. And so trust your gut. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, is at that point, he already decided. Yeah. He was after Katie. He was going to come, yeah. It was too late. Yeah, you have to trust your gut because you're given that. For a reason. Radar. Yeah. For a reason. And it's mm-hmm. actually very accurate. Science it is. is even proving it's accurate. And the other thing, too, is this church setting. You know, it's kind of like the small towns. You know, things don't happen, you know, like that in our town. Well, the fact that it did is evidence that's a myth. But mm-hmm. the other thing is that churches can be just as dangerous. Oh, yeah. And I think I told maybe in season one that. Uh, when Kent was a kid and we went to this church and I knew everybody, you know, it's a small church. I knew everybody, but I didn't trust everybody. And uh, actually, I didn't trust anybody. <laughs> but right. there, I would never let Kent go into the men's room unless I checked it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I didn't care if people thought I was overprotective. Nope. I didn't care. And no. your kid. He's mm-hmm. my kid. And uh, so later I was so thankful because, um, and I knew this couple. I'd been to their home. I'd eaten with them. But the guy bugged me. He bugged me. Something was wrong with him, and I knew it. And so I had told Kent, if anyone, male or female, wants you to go with them anywhere alone, tell them no. And come find me. Or start screaming, no, I'm not going with you. You're not my parent or whatever. So this man molested little boys, his grandkids. And he went to prison. Wow. So it doesn't matter. You know, in fact... Predators will seek out places where people naively think they're safe. Mm-hmm. Like the military base, that girl that was you know, kidnapped, yeah. Tracy McBride. Yeah. You're never safe. No. It doesn't matter where you are. Even in a hospital, me and Mike were watching a true crime where a lady was murdered in a hospital in her office. But again, your mindset 
you might think someone's creepy, but you probably would never think they would kill your family or kids. Yeah, but you need to start thinking. But you that need way. to just it's hey, better to be overthinking something. Just not to be enough. cautious. Just to be cautious. And I don't live around, you know, like looking for a serial killer behind every tree. I no. don't live that way. And I don't live in fear either. But I can guarantee you, when I get out of a car, I scan my environment. Yeah, when I walk I do. into a gas station, mm-hmm. I walk like I know exactly where the restroom is, exactly what I'm doing. I command the room. Yeah. Uh, Dad always taught me, you walk like you own that place when you walk in. Don't be a victim. Don't be looking down. Don't be looking, looking around. around. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he said, a tip. Uh, every time you go into a, a truck stop, the the um, bathrooms are usually to the right. Yeah. Usually. And he said, if they're not to the right, they're going to be to the left. You know, so if you start going to the right and you're like looking like you're going to buy a few items, he said, don't worry if they're not there. You just continue to peruse the place. Yeah. And then you go over to the, mm-hmm. the other side. Mm-hmm. He said, but don't walk around like, where's the restrooms? Right. You know, <laughs> you got you to act like you know what you're doing. Uh, and uh, so anyway, these people, you know, they go to this church. He's going there. And some people try to say, well, the flood was a trigger. No, it no. wasn't. And he was doing drugs. He was, you know, stealing from people. He was raping people. No. He was a poop bird. Yeah, the flood wasn't a. No. no. I hate <laughs> no. that word trigger. All that trigger at all. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Just moved him to another area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he was having marriage problems because she kept kicking him out because of drug use and alcohol That's use. That's not a trigger either. So here's his confirmed victims. And I don't know, um, uh, I, I couldn't find names for some of the pictures. Uh, oh, and by the way, this is Julie Ray when she was exonerated. <coughs> she looks happy there, but still. So this was life. a family that was annihilated by Tommy. Lynn Sells. Um, oh, that was little Joel. Um, oh, that's her with her sisters. Right. Up, little Crystal. This one, I'm going to get into just a little bit. I, I've really debated because it was so horrific. Um, oh. But it's, I'm not sure he did that one. Uh, this is another um, family the, right here. The kids or all of them? Yeah, all of them. Oh. And then this is a victim. Uh, this is a victim from his, er- two of them, from his early years. Um, that was his wife. Okay. So I want to, I want to get little Joel back up in honor of him. So confirmed is July 5th, 1979 in Mississippi at John Cade 39 that he shot with a 32 revolver. He has another victim. They don't know who it was in 1982 in Little Rock. Um, no, I'm sorry. They don't know the date. In Little Rock, Arkansas, it's Hal uh, Aikens. July 31st, 83 in Missouri, Colleen and Tif- Tiffany Gill. They were both bludgeoned. Uh, she was 33 and Tiffany was four. July 26, 85 in Springfield, Ina and Rory Cart. Court. He slashed their throats and bludgeoned them with a baseball bat. Uh, Eno was 28. Rory was four. In 1987, in May, in New York, he killed Suzanne, uh, age 27. Her body wasn't found until 1995. Wow. October 15th was um, Stephanie Stro, 20. She was strangled and her body was never found. November 17th and 18th, Ina, Illinois, the Dardine family, which I'm going to touch upon. Keith was 29. He was shot three times in the head and his penis was cut off. 
Peter Dardine was three. He was bludgeoned with a baseball bat. And then Casey Dardine, the daughter, was bludgeoned with a baseball bat. Elaine Dardine, 30, was raped, mutilated, and then Faley bludgeoned with a baseball bat. Okay, so let me bring up that family again. And man, I really, it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to know how deep in the details to go. Um, so this is them. Do you notice anything about the mom? She well, was pregnant. Oh, she was pregnant? It was okay. hard to see in that picture. So this guy, um, Keith, he was very vigilant. And they had moved to Missouri and, um, I mean, Illinois from Missouri to have a safer uh, place for to raise their children. Oh, my goodness. And they bought a little place, had a little bit of land, and he was working uh, but he was getting really nervous because there was a lot of crime. There were a lot of murders that were happening in that town. So he decided, this ain't as safe as I thought. I'm going to move my family back to Illinois. And so he had his land for sale. And all the people that knew him said he would never open the door to a stranger and let them come in. Mm-mm. And he didn't want them to know about his family or anything like that. And uh, so anyway, um, when he had it for sale, obviously... Right. You know, people are going to want to look at the house. Well, Tommy oh, sells. Boy. He saw the house for sale, and he asked to see the house. And uh, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Keith had a bad feeling and wouldn't let him in the house and said no. Well, later, sells supposedly, they've never confirmed for sure. He says he did the crime, but I couldn't find any evidence that he did. So there's a dispute on that. But he shows up at the house, he subdues the man, and then he ties up her and the little baby and puts them in their bed. He takes Keith out to the country, because when the police first arrived, they thought Keith did it, that he killed his family. And then they found Keith the same day, shot in the head, and his penis cut off, which I don't remember Sells ever doing that, so it's kind of interesting that, but it wouldn't surprise me that he did, but it was just not his usual M.O. But they know for sure he did come to the house? Yes. So lo- so maybe he did. They're thinking he did yeah, it, but that'd be that quite was the... a little weird. What was also weird is that he took the, the dad away and left his victims tied up because there's a chance they could get away. His regular M.O. was either shoot people, rape people he saw, and then kill them, or kill everybody in the house. Like it, I can't think of a crime where he took a victim away and kept Mm. other victims there. But he basically told the wife, I'm going to go and I'm going to shoot your husband. I'm going to cut off his penis. Yeah, it is sort of odd that he would go to all that trouble to take one away, tie him up, Mm -hmm. take one away. Mm Because he was sort of, here, shoot you. Yeah. And I think he was a man that would have fought back. Yeah. And he was bigger than Tommy Lynn Sells. And I think he aggravated Sells when he got in the house and on the way. Mm. And that's why he cut off his penis. He comes back to the house and he beats um, the three-year-old to death with the mother watching. The trauma of it caused her to go into labor. She had her baby and he bludgeoned both of them to death. Oh my gosh. Yep. What sick, sick person. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I man, I went back and oh, forth on that one because that's terrible. But again, they've never really, um, you know, been able to tie it to him for sure. But 
So when they say confirmed, I'm leaning on the side that he did do it. But even with him being vigilant and recognizing there is something wrong with this guy, he was still able to get that entire family. Well, if they confirmed it, then maybe they have something that they haven't. Well, the Put only the only evidence I could find that they had confirmed it is there was a rainbow rainbow um, like dish that sales described, and the detectives knew that they had a rainbow dish oh. in their kitchen. But in a mm. later crime, that was the one that had the rainbow dish. I couldn't find that the Dardines had anything like that. Oh. So I don't know if someone confused the crimes, but one of his crimes, there was a rainbow dish, but it wasn't the Dardines. Oh. So unless they had something similar, but in all the research, and I really dove into that one because I wanted to know if he did it, I couldn't find anything that even implied that they had a rainbow dish, but I did oh. find it on another crime. Man. And then September 11th and 88, he killed, uh, uh, raped and stabbed and ran over by a train after she was dead. A Melissa Tremblay, who was 11. December 18th, Tucson, Arizona, he killed a 51-year-old Kent, uh, and her body was found two days later. December 9th of 91 in Florida, Teresa and Tiffany Hall were both bludgeoned with a wooden table leg. Teresa was 25, Tiffany was 5. May 13th, 92 is when he tried to kill Fabian. Uh, in 1997, he killed Joel and attacked uh, Julie. And then in Springfield, Missouri, Stephanie uh, Mah- Mahaney, Mahaney uh, 13, he abducted, drugged, raped, and strangled. Her body was found on November 18th, 1999. He killed uh, Gibson or Deborah Harris and Ambria Halliburton in Gibson, Tennessee. Deborah Harris was 31. <clears throat> raped and stabbed the knife left in her chest and embryo was eight april 18th in san antonio mary perez nine abducted and strangled with her own t-shirt so that's this little girl right here mm. and then uh may 13th lexington kentucky he killed a 13 year old uh no i'm sorry that's her and then uh on an unspecified day in madison wisconsin he killed an inmate or assaulted an inmate July 5th, Kingfisher, Oklahoma, Bobby Lynn Wolford, 14. He forced him to perform oral sex on him, sodomized him, shot him in the head, and took two, oh, it's it's a female, and took two of her earrings. In Del Rio, Kayleen, Harris, and Crystal. And then um, possibly the list, I mean, we've got California that he said he stabbed a man with an ice pick. We've got um, another that he attacked, but he's not sure if he was killed he claims he killed joanne tate and her daughters she was 35 and assaulted with a broomstick and then stabbed the other girls seven and four were stabbed he said that he abducted raped and tortured and killed an unnamed woman they killed an eight-year-old uh her head was never found um an unnamed man and her son in 88 uh california unidentified woman san francisco oregon uh twin falls idaho san antonio texas he claimed to kill uh, victims in the uh, number number range of 70. Wow. And so what he would do is he would hop on trains and go coast to coast, or he would hitchhike, and that's why he labeled himself a coast-to-coast killer. And so the, the victims he picked either met them somewhere, or he would get off on the interstate, and then he'd walk through woods or whatever into neighborhoods. And then I personally think he would watch until he either found a female that was smaller than him or he found little kids. Any murder is bad but the children. 
three-year-old, a newborn. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> so you can see why I didn't really want to do him because he just slaughtered victims. He just, mm-hmm. he, and like you said, when you see me, you see hate. Mm-hmm. And so he hated everybody and he killed because of rage. And he was very vicious and gross and any way he could torture and just make it as bad as he could. You know, a lot of killers, you notice they have families and children. And mm-hmm. he might didn't. be abusive, but, you know. Now, I think he might have actually had a kid with Nora. I'm not sure. Um, because she had a kid. And I, I read so much. I read the book, by the way, by um, Diane Fanning. Oh. And, uh, and she thinks he killed the Dearden family, too. But she's a little on the fence to a degree as well. Uh, but, you know, it's pretty much, you know, most people think that he did. That he did it. Wow. Yeah. The M.O. was just a little bit off, and I kind of look at that. But you can also tell he would have been hard to uh, catch because he went all over the country. So back then they didn't have the database they have now, the Mm -hmm. uh, violent crimes database. Yeah. The other thing, too, is that he killed in different ways, stabbing, strangling, shooting. So he didn't have an M.O. His only M.O. was killing. Oh, that's just terrible. Yeah. The children especially. Yep. I believe he could have possibly killed 70 people. Uh, I do too, except usually um, they will exaggerate their kills. That's true. Uh, I would say he's probably in the 30s is what I'm thinking. But he did start in 1975. Yeah. And uh, went on. But that's why I wanted to do him is because the Joel Kirkpatrick you know, mystery yeah. and how a true crime author is watching a true crime show and just happens to be writing a book on Tommy Lynn Sells. And she's like, you know what? I bet he did it. And then they were able all to piece together. help that. So, you know, our, our cases are to help people not be victims. But the other side of it is true crime, podcasts, social media. These are now tools that mm-hmm. can help people either you know, get off if they were innocent or put people behind bars. And the popularity of true crime is actually solving cases. Yeah. And, you know, I like to know the ending to cases, but we will probably have uh, a mini series um, maybe next year where we do unsolved cases. Didn't we do one, though? And we asked the uh, listeners to. You know, if they knew the person or knew of anything. You know, remember Stephen was saying that the other night, or it might have been Mike, about, you know, you do a cold cases or unsolved. Mm-hmm. I've got somebody some, yeah, uh, in my list know. I've started, and I also want to do very unusual ones, and I think they're the cold cases. But I also want to do uh, what will be coming up is uh, I want to do cases where there's still a question of whether the accused was guilty right. or innocent. So well, I want to do that. Unusual is Murdoch. Yes, we will be now, doing that's a bonus a on Murdoch. Crazy, mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. So in between mm-hmm. uh, this and then March, we'll be doing a bonus uh, on Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they might want to research a little bit. Yeah. But what do you think of this season? It's it's. Over. I think it's been it's really time good. To finish up, and all of them have twists on, in them. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. the ones you haven't listened to, best friend. Yeah. Uh, everyone she picked was had twists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. What do you think, best friend Susan? I am just blown away by the evil. Mm. And you can never trust anybody. Mm-hmm. You have to be aware of everything. everything. You can not give anyone the benefit of the doubt. You, 
you know, this just, just listening to it, I'm thinking, oh, I'm never rolling down my windows when a homeless person comes to my car. Uh, Like this lady approached me in in a grocery store parking lot. She's like, uh, can, can you give me some money? Uh, my baby needs diapers and formula. I looked at her. I said, have you ever heard of welfare and WIC? No. I, I wouldn't even go there with her, even for a child, mm-hmm. because. The you don't know. But, you know, you I, no. can't stop limiting life. Right. I mean, you have to. You still have to live life. Yeah. You just have to be more cautious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and like I said, I don't live in fear. No, I'm no, always no. aware. You have and to I have be aware. And defensive. You do. need to, first, you need to be defensive if anyone approaches you. Mm-hmm. Because when people approach you, they want something. Yeah. Well, and if you look at all the cases, you know, uh, that we've done, a lot of people, they're very sweet. They're very nurturing. They believe the best in people. And I actually, I used to not like people. I don't mind them now. Um, some still irritate me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, now I, I will definitely be more friendly and stuff than I used to be. But the other side of it is like when I'm traveling and I warn people that travel with me, uh, I'm not going to be nice. Right. Like, you know, and it actually saved my friend and possibly me one time. I think I shared this in uh, season one. Uh, I was traveling from, you know, my hometown to Florida. And I had, she's like over six foot tall, you know, she's like a really tall girl. And I told her, I said, now we're going to pull over. And it was in the middle of, I think, um, it might've been Mississippi or Alabama. But anyway, I said, we're going to pull over and I need you to be aware of your surroundings. Like don't go into this, you know, convenience store, just focus on what you want to get. I need you to be aware. And then I warned her and I said, I'm not going to be overly friendly. So I don't want you to think I'm being rude. And she said, why? And so I just told her, you know, what my dad taught me. And she's like, okay. So we go in and I go to the restroom and I come out and I immediately scan, like looking for where she is. Well, I see her and then I look back because I notice a man looking in her direction. So I'm just standing there because she's oblivious to the fact that this man has followed her all around where she went. So I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> so we, I go over to her and I uh, told her, I said, and the man paused and he was just watching us. And I said, hey, uh, I, you know, requested that you be aware of your surroundings. And as I've watched you this you know, last couple minutes, you've not been. And a man has been literally following you around everywhere. And don't look over there. We're just going to you know, smile and we're, we're going to act like we're having a good conversation. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> okay. And I said, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, I said, we're going to go to the checkout and um, we're going to get our stuff. And then I'm going to unlock the car from in here and we're going to immediately get in. I'm going to unlock, I'm going to lock it and we're going to take off. And hopefully this person doesn't follow us. And she's like, okay. And I said, don't act scared either. And she's like, all right. So I thought to myself, if this guy goes to check out right behind us, mm-hmm. he is after her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, sure enough, we grab a couple items. We mosey on like nothing's a big deal. We get over to the checkout. He makes a beeline to get behind us and just grab something off of like right there. And he's in line. And she was looking at me like, wow. You mm-hmm. know, like you, mm-hmm. you were not playing. And uh, so anyway, we check out. We walk pretty quickly. We get into the car, lock the doors, I start the car, and my curiosity, I couldn't help it. 
I had to know if I was correct. He immediately set his thing down and made a beeline to the door, and then we pulled out. And I checked the back, you know, to make sure that he wasn't behind us for, you know, the first 30 minutes. But that's what I'm talking about. Being vigilant mm-hmm. probably saved our lives mm-hmm. because I would have fought like hell. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I would have I would have done whatever I had to do. I'm not going to be meek. And so that's what I'm talking about is you know, like when I was in Moab, Utah one time, these people came up and said, can you give us money? No. And there was no discussion, no nothing. No. Well, we're hungry. I'm not giving you money and that's it. And, you know, I was like pretty aggressive in it. And they started getting aggressive with me. And uh, I said, I'm telling you, I'm not giving you any money so you can back off or I can handle what is about to happen here. And so I was staring at him as a male and he's staring at me and his girlfriend's right there. I know exactly what she's up to. And I'm looking at him like, all right, you know, because I don't usually have presence of mind when people are trying to intimidate me. Mm-hmm. It actually makes me mad. And, uh, and so they backed off. And I finished getting my gas, and then I watch them, you know, going to other people, harassing them. And then when I was walking to the store, I'm watching my peripheral, you know, to make sure that everything's mm-hmm. cool. And I told that lady, I said, you need to call the cops because those people are dangerous and something's going to happen. And she did. And so we waited for them to get there. But that's what I'm talking about is, you know, I if you're compassionate and a kind person, um, you know, you might be tempted like, oh, absolutely. And then before you know it, you're in trouble. You know? See, on your first one about watching him and not looking at him, I'm thinking in my mind, I would say to the clerk and point, that guy there has followed us around the store, so maybe that's not good then? Well, um, I had to do that once at Walmart when a meth was oh, following yeah, me all over yeah. the store. Um, but I don't know, because for me, I didn't want to provoke a situation inside the store, and I was pretty confident I could get out. Um, but that might be the thing to do. I mean, maybe scary mom. Yeah. Um, I was staring at him though. Like by that time he knew I knew. And they have cameras maybe. But when you said you didn't, I thought, well, maybe my way isn't the right way. No, that can be smart. I, I, I just knew that we could get to the car and, uh, that you're lucky he didn't follow you. He wasn't going to, he was already acting so furtive and you know sneaky that i figured he didn't want to draw attention to himself so i was pretty confident we could get away some of those places though they'll be in there for hours just looking for people looking for victims loves uh truck stops even any convenience store and i remember watching dad on the road you know like if anyone came up to us you know he'd be like no and you better back off immediately and they would Mm-hmm. You know, because dad was small, but he could be crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of head injury, he had one, so he could, <laughs> he could be crazy. <laughs> so, you know, but if it came to his family, he would kill whoever he needed to He kill. would do first and then think later. Oh, yeah. 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 So, anyway, I think that's it for season three. We've got more episodes than we ever had. And so, best friend Susan, I'm going to call upon you for the our word. first phrase okay i'm gonna say be aware no that's be- not it it is for me no. what but she has the well, catch I line don't we know have to what do her she has all i know is everything she has said she was aware but I right away and you, you have to put that first in your mind even no, in your hometown smart. you know even yes. in your hometown, be aware. Anywhere. Your stomping grounds, be aware. When you're getting gas, look in the back of your car. You have, you have to. to leave it unattended. Be but the be aware is good. Hers, do it. But be smart. The other one? Oh. Be smart. Thank you. Oh. Well, I th- be rude. 
Her catch line is be smart. Elena's is. Yeah. And you're taking her place. But I'm not Elena. I'm best friend. Best friend said be aware. No. Friends. She said ask. Friends. You have to say her line. It's her show. I didn't know that line. No, you're fine. Best friends. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be aware. Be aware is important. I mean, you you were aware from the very... That's... Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm always aware. Be smart. Thank you. Be aware. Be rude. I'm gonna. We're gonna have to for this episode since best friend Susie is here. Sorry, I we're jacked gonna do, it all up. Be aware. <laughs> be smart. Be rude. And don't be a victim. Be a- Outline of a murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? Ah!